Live from Pearl Studios, New York City, it's Casting Actors Cast. The podcast and videos from casting partner of casting, Jeffrey Dreisbach. This is, this is our first ever live recording with a studio audience of invited guests, talent pool fans, and Actors Connection talent. Everyone, welcome. Now, here is your host, Jeffrey Dreisbach. Hello, 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 everybody. How are you? So excited and glad that you are here. This is a first for me. I'm a little nervous. I got a little, you know, pit sweat going on. So welcome to this uh, really exciting podcast. Uh, I hope it's exciting, at least anyway, of Casting Actors Cast. I'm Jeffrey Dreisbach. I'm a casting partner with McCorkle Casting in New York, and we are live today. I'm not going to edit any of this out, so watch your language, but I can assure you of two things for sure. One thing is that I have nothing to do with Fleet Week, and I'm not going to announce I'm running for president of the United States. So you're safe. It's all good. It's all going to work out really well and I, of course I have so many people to thank about this podcast but a special introduction if I may uh, somebody who um, has just been part of my life for such a long time she's sitting in the back listening to the podcast my wife of 30 years Pat McCorkle is here everybody <laughs> so you know she gave me the little lecture before the show like honey you got to be really, really good. So I'm going to do my very, very best. Um, also, I can't thank enough uh, Colleen Finnegan Hall, president of Actors Connection, and how wonderful it is that she made this whole thing possible, made this whole thing come together. So please give her a round of applause. So doing these podcasts is number 265, and I'm excited to report that officially we have hit 100,000 downloads of the podcast. You know, I had no idea when I started this. I just knew that after I left acting and I started working with Pat as a partner in the company, that I just had this, not only a desire to perform, but I discovered teaching. And teaching was such an amazing, it sort of filled my soul in such a really good way. And so I thought, you know, I'm getting these same questions in all of these classes that I'm enjoying to teach, I'm enjoying teaching. And so what can I do in order to make it more helpful? Of course, that's when podcasting was sort of in its heyday, right? It became its very big deal thing. And so I just decided to do it. I had no intention of, you know, I just gonna try it, see what happens, and suddenly it's like, exploded beyond my wildest dreams and I couldn't be more grateful. But I am going to treat this episode today like a regular episode um, and I've gotten three common questions that I want to respond to. And these are almost universally recent questions that I've gotten from um, actors. Um, really, because actors need some support. They need to know what's going on, especially post-COVID. Oh my gosh, we're all still recovering a little bit from that, aren't we? I mean, emotionally, there's sort of this other thing that's still happening. We're not quite comfortable in our own skin yet. At least that's my impression of what's going on. And so 
I thought, well, the best thing to do is to address the three top questions that I get on a regular basis. And so I'm going to talk about them. Now, I've talked about these in previous podcasts, but I think there's a little bit of a different spin on it today just because of post-COVID, just because, you know, we have the SAG after strike coming up, perhaps, and so our fingers are crossed, and we are extremely busy in our office, which is really, really happily, um, it's, you know, it's a good news thing that we're as busy as we are. But of course, the looming strike, which I have to say, frankly, I'm in support of. Um, I think that the whole streaming service situation uh, and producers really getting away with a lot of income from those streaming services and not supporting writers and, and clearly not supporting actors. So actors really deserve a break. So. But having said that, that means every producer of every movie that we're working on wants to get their project done yesterday. So Pat can tell you, we're currently working like something like seven feature films right now. And they all want them done like today. And who's available? You know, I'm going, okay, I'll, I'll jump in. You know, because I was an actor for 20 years before I got into casting with Pat. And um, I had a really great run. I, by the way, just a side note, I'm not one of those casting people who started as an actor and then became embittered by that experience and then became a casting person. Uh, now, that's, you know a few of those people, perhaps. Um, that's not my story at all. I had a great run as an actor, and I loved every minute of it. Well, not every minute, you know. Reality check. Not everything was roses and, and perfect. But I can tell you, I just loved my time as an actor. Um, the last Broadway show I did was A Few Good Men. I was in the original cast. I did over 500 performances on Broadway. And when the show closed, two things happened. One, I was really tired. Two, I had the worst haircut known to man. I had this flat top that you could literally put a, a dictionary on top of my head, and it wouldn't move. And so I was uncastable. And so a little time, short time later, Pat said, well, why don't you just come on in and help me out? And so I haven't looked back. And I can tell you that this is an excellent time to be an actor because not only are we busy, but I have not seen more exciting, interesting scripts and material for actors. I think diversity has been such an excellent uh, catapult for these new writings that we're getting. And so I think that's really, um, the future looks really, really bright, notwithstanding strike potential. I don't mean to bring, you know, that. But there is just an amazing um, series of scripts and material that's coming in that I just think opens up all kinds of opportunities for everybody. I really believe that. And so I know I'm, I'm shamelessly optimistic, and I've had more coffee than God ever intended. <laughs> But I did want to talk about the three common questions that I get from, from folks. And that is, first and foremost, opportunities for actors. Actors are always asking about opportunities for them. And um, what else can I do? I'm not getting as many auditions as I want. I'm not getting the kind of response that I was hoping for. I'm sick and tired of self-taping with no responses. People, I don't understand why people don't respond back to good work. I just... I, I know life is too short and people are, everybody's busy. Um, the big secret of show business though, ladies and gentlemen, if there was one secret, I could codify it by saying this, everybody's afraid. Everybody, 
actors are afraid they're not going to work again. Producers are afraid they're going to lose all of their money. Directors are afraid they're never going to get a hit on their hands. Casting directors are afraid we're not going to get hired again by the same producer. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And so if you accept that as a reality, that everyone in this business is a little bit afraid, then the answer becomes, what can you do to alleviate that fear? And so the things that you can do to alleviate the fear are, first of all, try not to stress out about it too much because everybody's in the same boat. But the other thing I'm getting from actors all the time is what other opportunities are there? What, what can be out there that might be available that I don't have to spend a ton of money, that I don't have to, you know, everyone, every agent in, in the city says, oh, you need new pictures, no matter what. You got them done yesterday, you need new pictures today. Right? So I put together a little short list of things that I thought would be really useful, at least to contemplate, just to think about so that you feel part of the community, so that you feel more immersed, because I can tell you this, work begets work. So when you can involve yourself with other like-minded individuals, you're going to find that there are other opportunities that are going to open up for you. So here's a couple of examples. I just participated in this wonderful organization called Battle Axe. Has anyone heard of Battle Axe? Battle Axe? Yes. Hi. Nice to see you. Thank you. Uh, and so Battle Axe is this wonderful, um, just amazing, the Galinsky brothers who started um, the Mo National Monologue Slam. This was many years ago. And it would be like once a week, there would be like a nightclub, and actors would get up and do monologues. And you know, it would be really, just everyone had a great time. And these two guys are just crazy. Well, now that's been translated into what's called Battle Axe. And it's once a month. It's a competition, but don't freak out about the competition. But for actors, it's completely free. So if you've got a monologue, I suggest you check out Battle Axe. Every month, they hold these competitions. There's some prize money involved, but at, these two guys are doing this nightclub act kind of idea. And it has been so much fun, and I've been honored to be a judge now for the past several years. I'm like, I'm like the center square. Right, because they keep on inviting me to come back and do the judging. So this right now might be an opportunity for you to check it out before it becomes something else. Because you could be on the ground floor of something really, really cool. So that's one thing that I wanted to share with you. Another thing that I don't hear a lot of act, I don't hear from a lot of actors about being a reader. Being a reader is the single best thing that you can do for your acting, and here's why. Number one. It is like taking a master's class in what to do and what not to do in an audition. So when you're hired as a reader, and at McCorkle Casting, I can only speak for us, we pay our readers. Our Peters get, our Peters, our readers get paid. Wow. I don't think I'll edit that. Our, our readers um, actually get paid. But the more important thing is working with the director, listening into what's going on after the audition is a really an amazing way that you can contribute, but also being a fly on the wall, I mean, it's just such a fantastic opportunity. So now, again, nothing is easy, right? You just can't say, I want to be a reader, and suddenly you're a reader. It doesn't happen that easily, I'm afraid. But you can invest a little bit of time making sure that you are known and interested in being a reader. We have a reader list that we compile, and we try to cast our readers literally. So we're not going to put you in a reading position for a role that you might be right for. Or Many times we'll hire actors that are already working. 
um, so that they can't be jealous <laughs> or they can't have other issues when they're being a reader. But there's an idea for you to think about um, as we continue through the list. Um, another thing that I talked about in a recent podcast, I just want to reiterate again, but creating your own material. I believe so strongly in this. I think every actor, literally, every actor should have an idea for their one-person show. A historical figure, maybe your life story, maybe, you know, whatever you want. Maybe there are some opportunities that you hadn't thought of, and maybe you're not a writer, but this might be a great time to connect with a writer. But putting together your own material, it doesn't have to be for showtime. You know, but putting together your material gives you a focus, gives you an energy that's going to really help propel you and feel like you are part of the community. So it's self-serving for sure, but it's also very generous of spirit because it keeps your creative edges. It keeps that creative side of you going. And so I believe everybody should be working on a couple of monologues, not just because of the, the battle axe, but you know, there's that. But everyone should be working on their one-person show or their own storyline for a series or a movie, whatever it is, whatever your interest is. I can't think of a better way for you to feel more connected to the environment. And, and also, you're feeling like you're a professional when you're working professionally, right? I mean, that just kind of makes sense. Um, I know this is kind of a weird thing on the list, but starting a script reading group I think it's so cool getting together once a month and reading new material. There's no shortage of material out there on the internet, but really looking at and getting together with like-minded individuals, just reading scripts out loud. It becomes a way in which you can feel inspired and interested, and that can actually grow into something as well. So I know it's hard. You know, like I talked earlier about the post-COVID kind of depression that we're all kind of trying to feel our way through this. But that might be a way of reconnecting with people as well. The final suggestion I'm going to make is why not consider being an assistant, being a secretary, if, if there's, that word's probably not used that much anymore. So, okay, so being an assistant, being a helpful person at an acting school, something like Actors Connection, there are all kinds of opportunities there where you can be meeting uh, with casting directors, agents, and managers, and you can also be helping an organization. So that's also something to stay open about. All right, let's move on to our subject number two, finding an agent. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a biggie, right? It's so hard, and, and I appreciate this. I, it certainly was my experience as well, and I certainly went down the road of connecting and having um, people that probably didn't have my best interest in mind when I was looking for agents. So let me just talk to you briefly about this, and I wish I had like magical words to give you. I don't. But what I do have is some practical knowledge about how actors do get agents interested in the material. And number one is you should know that mass emails do not work. Thinking that you're going to get the compiled list of every agent and manager in the city and type a, an email something along the lines of, hi, you don't know me, but I'm an aspiring actor and closes my picture and resume for your consideration. This is the international sign language for bullshit. <laughs> it's such a waste of your energy and time. Um, and it's could be possibly perceived as a little bothersome on the other side. 
And so that is not a helpful thing. And although I am guilty of this when I was an actor, but this is when we were licking envelopes, right? I remember stacks of 50 pictures and resumes being stuffed into the mailbox and wondering why they didn't rush to the phone to call me up to, you know, to work with me. I was always really weirded out about that. But anyway, um, mass emails don't work. I think the other philosophy that needs to be addressed here is just the basic understanding that show business is no different than other areas of our lives. And that means relationships take time. So you have to give time time. You have to know who the players are, who the agents are. Do your research. You'll know that agencies are divided into three basic groups. You have the boutique agencies, usually you know, three, maybe four agents working in that office. Then you have the mid-range agencies, anywhere from five to 20 agencies. And then you have these bohemian agencies, the monster agencies that have celebrities and famous people and blah, blah, fancy people. And so just knowing that is gonna be helpful in terms of where you want to target, where do you want to focus your energy? So that becomes really uh, a useful thing is get educated about it, but be careful not to just have the sense of desperation. By understanding, relationships are just simply going to take time. The number one way for an actor to get an agent, the number one way is a referral, a referral. So I can speak firsthand, um, and, and I'm not just saying this because my beautiful wife is here, but I can firsthand when an, uh, an amazing actor who auditions does an amazing job, I have firsthand seen Pat pick up the phone and call an agent and say, you have to take this person on. You have to see this person. And that's not just a one-off, you guys. That happens all the time. Because our job depends on good talent. We can't do our job without you. You can't do your job without us. So referrals are the number one way. The other referral is that you're working in a production and you're working with an actor that happens to have representation. And that actor says, well, let me introduce you to my agent. Ba-bing, done. Now that's not something to shoot for, but that's something to be available to and to think about in terms of getting an agent. Simply doing your research is, is the, I think, a very positive way that you can get educated about the players. And you start seeing the same names over and over again. That starts coming back over and over again. And that's how those relationships develop. And in the final analysis, you have to think about those classes that have agents, casting people, managers. Now, I'm not trying to sell a class to you because I know that sometimes they can be expensive. I know sometimes it can be a burden, but that is very much a specific way in which you can meet with and work with. And I'm a huge fan of working or taking a class with a casting person. And the reason for that is, be, and I'm not talking about like just meeting them in a one class situation. It's really much more about you know, if you want to get on Law & Order SVU, then you take the three-session class with Jonathan Strauss, the executive producer who's cast Law & Order SVU for over, what, 30 years now. And what does he do? He teaches a class. What's the class? How to audition for Law & Order SVU. <laughs> Crazy. Now, that's no guarantee that he's going to bring you in, right? I can't make that disclaimer. In fact, I've got to be really careful about that. That would be an unfair statement to make. But have people who've taken this class appeared on Law and Order SVU? Yes, yes they have. 
So those are the kind of thoughts that I wanted to share with you about getting an agent. Just be careful about where you're spending your energy. And think like a business person. You are the product. They are the buyer. And so if you really put yourself in that frame, without that's not a denigrating thing to say, I hope. I hope you, you take that in the, 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 the way I'm meaning it. It just means that that's how those relationships are formed and those relationships develop. And so that leads us to our final topic, which is best business practices for actors. And this was something that came from the heart because I made every one of these mistakes. And now I'm looking back going, please talk to those people who are, are into acting and really want to do well. But business stuff is hard for creative people. It's just built in. That side of our brain is not as developed, and let's just admit that, right? <laughs> let's just say it like it is. We've got all this creativity happening here, and then uh, I couldn't balance my checkbook, and I was 24 years old. You can laugh, because that really is, but it's true. That's, um, organization of your workflow. Organization of your work. Really giving a structure to your business of being an actor is the single best thing that you can do for yourself. I used to think that if I structured my day, that if I structured the way I approached the work, that I would probably not be sacrificing some creativity somewhere along the way. And the opposite is true. It's the opposite. When you can form some kind of a structure around the business of being an actor, that absolutely allows some places for you to flourish. And so one thing is how are you organized? Do you keep things in a database? Do you keep things in an Excel spreadsheet? Who did you meet? I know actors who literally write down the weather report that day. Why? Because it helps them remember the experience that they had. I know another actor who writes, this was before COVID, but used to write down what the backdrop was in every casting office they went to. So they wore complimentary clothing to the backdrop. I know, that might be a little anal, I understand, but think about it. That just helped them. The biggest mistake a lot of actors make is they get a call back and they don't remember what they did in the initial audition. That's where your database comes in. That's when your note-taking comes in. What did you do? How did you prepare? Who did you meet? Who did you work with? Really structuring it is going to be such a relief because I promise you, if you maintain that in a very short period of time, you're going to start seeing the same people over and over and over again, and the world gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And that, to me, is such a reassurance for our talent and for our place in the business. So that's what I have, is um, those three main topics that I think are um, the ones I get almost daily in terms of people sending me emails and asking me questions. Now, speaking of questions, this is your opportunity. We have some time, and we only have one single microphone here, but that's okay. I want you to just stand up where you are, use your stage voice. This is not an audition, but. <laughs> you never know. No. Uh, <laughs> someone in the back is going, me, 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 me. But uh, let's, any questions that you have, and if no questions, I would love any kind of feedback, any kind of you know, takeaways from whether today's discussion or um, anything, anything at all. I'm open to whatever you have. Hi. 
What a shame that equity changed those rules. All of those wonderful actors who spent so much time earning points at equity theater suddenly poof. Come on in, everybody. Come on in. We need your money. We need you here. Um, and I don't know. Um, but to answer your question, sorry, I got off on a little tangent there. To answer your question, I think it is an internal decision that you need to make. Um, it's not, of course, you have to have the money. You have to have the financial resources. But I've never seen anyone join the union and make more money right away. I've never seen anyone join the union and suddenly get more work, is what I meant to say. You can make more money, right? But, but, but not necessarily more jobs coming your way. I think there's something now to be said for, um, because I think a priority for every actor now, if you're not being represented, that should be the first on your list. And I think guidance from your agent or manager is going to be really, really helpful here. Why? Because they know the jobs coming in. They get the breakdowns. And they'll see with non-equity national tour, you can make and do really, really well. Um, so that would be a terrible time to say, I joined the union, now I'm going to get an agent. The agent is going, why? Why did you do that? So I think taking guidance from others um, is a really great step, knowing now that you could probably join at any time. Why not hold off and see what other non-union opportunities might be available first? And let, the, let those people that are there to help guide you in the form of an agent or manager help you with that decision. I think that that's the best answer I can give. Other questions? Yes, hi. Boy, then this is a big controversial thing as well, so I'm glad you're asking. It is true that social media does play a part in certain projects, not all, in certain projects and under certain circumstances. So from where we sit in casting, some of our smaller budget films, if there are two actors that are equally good and one has 100,000 followers, that actor probably would get preferential treatment. I'm sorry to say that. Now, that is not meant to freak you out. Two, it doesn't happen in larger budget features. It's not, it hasn't invaded to that degree. But think about it. If you're doing a $1 million feature film, and you've got somebody with a million followers, let's just say, that's like free advertising for this producer. And so suddenly you have, with this actor's presence in the film, you've got a lot more attention coming that, to that film. Now, how do we feel about that? That's, I, I mean, I feel very mixed, but I also know it's a reality. And instead of fighting the reality, let me just say something to you. I, this does not mean that you should go out and now spend eight hours of your day on social media trying to get followers. I don't think there's value in that in terms of your artistry and your craft, but I do believe that it's something that needs to be thought of I think it's something that should be at least addressed in your mind. You know, it's not about how many followers you have, but I do know that there are certain circumstances where it is a consideration. Now, where is it going to go from here? That's anybody's guess. Um, we're living in an age now where um, anybody can be famous. I mean, look at me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I had no idea. That, that you could, this would happen. You know what I'm saying? And so I think if there's a joy in it for you, I think if there's some fun in it, most of us that I've, most folks that I've talked to are very stressed out about it. Like, 
I don't have the time to be this like Instagram hit. And now I have to create, you know, brushing teeth videos. You know, what's, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's very, very bizarre. It's very strange. So I would stay focused on the actor part of who you are. I would say if it is something that you can engage with on a limited basis where it's at least a, a fun way to process what's going on with you, I think there's value in that. But I would not make that an end game goal. I don't think any one with those kinds of followers said, oh, I'm gonna get famous so that I can become an actor and be in a movie. I don't, I don't think it happens that way. It's sort of like the followers happen and then they, they, they get classes or whatever happens. But, um, and there are some very, very fancy, well-known famous people that have eight million followers. You've gotta believe that a producer is gonna be interested in that actor for a role if, if they are right for the role. That's still the bottom line. I hope that helped. Yes, hi. Hi, my name is Alan Mao. Hi. What are you talking about? Like, I'm a friend of ADHD, exactly, so like, almost very so one of the questions that comes here to me, like, like, if, if I'm like, I'm a pretty, like, unorganized person around myself, so like, if I focus on my craft, like, on my, like, day to day, like, I think that's an excellent question. And I think the question is, is, is the balance between your creative self and your business self. And I don't, I wouldn't, honestly, I don't think it's splitting it down the middle in 50-50, I don't. But I think so less time is spent on the business side because of the nature of being an actor. So I, all I'm suggesting is that you um, really work a little bit more on the business side and maintain, you have to have the creative outlet. You can't kind of sacrifice that to be a business person. I think you must maintain that creativity side of you. That's more important. But increasing some of those choices about your business of being an actor, I think is valuable as well. It's sort of, it's not a 50-50, but there is a balance, I think, that can be struck. Thank you for the question. Good, yes, hi. Thank you so much for being here. It's so nice to see you. You too, thanks. Um, my question is this. Um, as a casting director, uh, for any role, you probably see thousands of actors. And how do you pick the actor that you believe will be at least good enough for the audition? So my question is, how, how does an actor stick out among thousands when they're just trying to get the audition? I'm not talking about the self-hate. Right. No, I think that's a, that's a great question. Um, I had a similar question from an actor, so how do I stand out in an audition? Um, and my response is, first of all, you could stand out in an audition if you wore a clown nose and wore tap shoes <laughs> during your audition. I mean, that would get you noticed, right? And so I think the, the object is, 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 of course, you want to be seen for the role. But understand a couple of other parameters. One is the casting people have extensive meetings with the producer and the director. And so they've given us a litany of, of, of options that they are seeking, that they are looking for. So as, a, as personal shoppers, because that's what casting directors are, we're personal shoppers. We have to abide by what the client's needs are. So that is constantly a filter when we're watching actors and auditions. So that's, you have to understand that that's an additional parameter. As far as auditions itself is concerned, uh, uh, there's no magic to it. I think if I could codify it, ooh, good word, down into like one, 
one thing, it is, is just complete focus in sh playing the part. The subtext for the actor is, I can't wait to show you how I'm going to play this part in an audition. In the same way, the audition, whether it's self-tape or in person, whatever, is a complete focused, concentrated effort on immersing themselves and telling the truth. Um, the minute the actor starts watching themselves, I, that's a tell for me. Because I was an actor, I can see it really easily. And it's, it's, it's kind of hard to overcome for some, but not for everyone. So the idea is to completely put energy and focus into the other character of every scene. Because what will happen is you'll start watching yourself less, and then you're gonna start really um, engaging with this other character, whether it's the reader or the other character in a scene. So it's not about standing out as much as it is really owning the material. Your uniqueness is what's going to book you the job. So understand what is unique and interesting about you, and then let that invade the character. And I mean that in a good way. Let that be part of the character, the quirks, the little things that are, make you unique. It, the physical thing, but it's also the sense of humor and being uh, conversational or not, withdrawn or outgoing. All of those things can contribute to every character, especially for film and television. Especially film and television. You have to start with the foundation of you. In theater, we've all been trained. It's a blank slate. It's a piece of clay that gets molded, right? We get molded. I can't, how many professors getting my BFA degree? You're clay. We want to mold you. What the hell? I'm not clay. But that was the idea. We strip away everything, and then we build something. And I said, please, give me a break. Here's my money. There's my degree. That was great. No, I don't, I don't mean to denigrate a BFA degree. I'm just saying. There's kind of this pervasive attitude uh, that's different in theater than it is for film and television. But for film and television, and everyone here should really be interested in getting more film and television opportunities. Everybody here. But the answer to your question is don't think in terms of standing out. Total commitment to how you're playing the part is what I need to see. Bottom line. Yes, hi. Um, you said something I had no idea was true, um, which is great to know that casting directors uh, have a list of people they might want to use as readers. And I always imagine they have this one kind of like right-hand person they always use. It's kind of, they pick them and that's it. So basically the question is how many at any given time readers do you have on that list of I, you know, I honestly don't have a number. I can't give you a number. I can. Here's the thing: is as I mentioned also, is that we try to cast the readers appropriate for the role, the majority of the roles they're reading for. There have been many times when we've had several readers in the room at the same time, and so other casting directors might have a different approach. Um, but I can tell you that that list is always evolving and always changing. But generally speaking, if we know the actor and we can, uh, I'm going to be kind of crass here, but we need to be able to trust the actor in the room. Like, all due respect, and I mean this, but please, your opinion about that actor's audition is not appropriate. It's just not, you're there to, to do your job, and I don't want to diminish what you do. It's very important. But there's also an art form to being a reader, um, which is that you're serving it up to the actor who's auditioning. 
You're not there and trying to be in the scene with them, right? Does that make sense? Anyway, to answer your question, it's a, it's a continual basis. Sometimes it's right place, right time. You make yourself available. You, I got your, your interest a couple of weeks ago, and I saw you in an audition, and then I think of you and give you a phone call. It's, that kind of, it's very kind of loosey-goosey, I have yeah. to say. But know that all casting people hire readers to some degree. And that is just something to kind of focus on, I think. Let, uh, sorry, yeah, no, go ahead. Uh, so for, let's say I'm at the point where I need to kind of cold email, introduce myself to a casting director in order to make that happen, what would I put in my reel and say, hey, I'm professional, uh, let's work together, or what would you recommend? Uh, um, that's a great question. I don't, I'm not really sure. I think if, if interested in being a reader is the subject line of an email, and that's all you're interested in. I wouldn't include a reel. I would just I would just make myself available as that. Um, I think also somebody that would be a reference, somebody that you've worked with that might be a good reference for you, um, a director or so, somebody that would speak well about you. Um, that maybe even better if it's somebody that is a known person, you know, some a well-known teacher, something like that. That's also another way that the referrals make a big difference and an impact. I think. Yeah, you're welcome. Hello. Um, I was wondering, what do you, what is the expected when it comes to self tapes? What is the expected turnaround time when you consider us, you know, booking our reader and you know, getting them not, you know, familiar with the material, kind of our own lives, you know, what we have to reschedule or not? And often I'll say, like, basically, you have a week. I feel like after, like, by the time the sun goes down, I'm behind. No, oh no, you shouldn't. If they are giving you a week's time, that's a legitimate thing. But procrastinating is never a good idea. Um, so you, you're not wasting, if they're giving you a time frame, that, please respect that time frame for them. That, that's not, they're not just trying to pull the wool over your eyes or something to get you to do it early. So they're giving you a legitimate time frame to do that. There have been times when we've had less than, a, you know, not less than, maybe sometime, a 24-hour turnaround because we've lost an actor. So if you lose an actor at the last minute, everybody's getting a pilot these days, right? So if you lose an actor in a project and you and, the, and it's going to be shooting or it's going to be going into to production, can you get this like right away? So those that happens. Generally speaking, a week is about right in terms of uh, when we put the word out, the breakdown out, we start receiving um, those tapes. Um, when COVID first hit. Um, you know, I thought, oh, this is only going to be a couple of weeks now. It's no big deal. But Pat said to me, she said, you know what? We got to do. We got to do a generals. We got to do general auditions. We got to put the word out to do a general audition for any actor who wants to submit to us because we don't know how long this thing is going to go on. She's so smart. We, you know, what's going to happen? And so we put out the word of these general auditions. Went out, and in 48 hours, we had 11,000 submissions. <laughs> 11,000 submissions, crazy. I'm looking at the computer screen going, what the hell? You know, it was like crazy. And guess what? Over the following four months, we saw all of them. Now, I didn't see all of them. I saw A through F. But, but our office staff, everybody went through them. And, we, and that's when, I have to say, I, without even realizing it, I kind of became an expert in what to do and what not to do in a self-tape. 
because you could literally it's a five second rule you know that whether you're going to be engaged or not and i mean no disrespect don't forget the casting director is always filtering through what the parameters have been given us so if i'm seeing somebody and they just don't fit the parameters of what i know i'm looking for i move on and that's again i love actors <laughs> she loves actors right i mean she married one for god's sake <laughs> So the reality is, is that we have a job to do. And, and so as far as self-taping is concerned, the turnaround that you're given is a pretty fair assessment. I will tell you, though, being on the deadline is a mistake. So if you can do it before then at your convenience where you feel creative and you feel like you can do good work, you're in great shape. Did that help? Was that helpful? OK, good. Yes, question. Hello. Hi. Yeah, you're asking a great question, and I think out of respect that every person who makes that kind of an effort should get something back. But sadly, the reality is, is it's not somebody else booking it as much as it is the time of the, in the day. Just really having the time to do that is, is challenging. That is why I would want every actor who has reps to really see the work. Let them see your auditions. Let them give you feedback. Now, I'm not trying to pass the buck. I'm just saying when there's time to do it. Um, but it is hard, and I appreciate that. The fact that you feel good about your work speaks volumes of the quality of the work. I promise you that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone else with questions? Yes. With regards to like choosing reps, particularly now when things are kind of slowing down and funky, is it better to wait for like the rep that really feels right to you, or like is it better for if you are on reps for your first step to just get somebody to start getting access to some of those breakdowns and knowing that it might be more of a stone? Or when do you kind of, I don't want to say like, Compromise. Like if you have a meeting, you're like that went well. I wouldn't want to marry you, but I'll date you. <laughs> <laughs> like that type of. Situation. I think that I think that's a fair question. Um, but I can only answer it this way: desperation never works. <laughs> Being desperate for an opportunity doesn't work. Now, does that mean hold out for the right thing? I I think the reframing of it is going to be useful for you, and that means. Maybe it doesn't feel right now, but let's see how it evolves. That's a different way to frame it. If, you, if your guts are telling you this, this smells bad, but it's the best I can do, that's just not helpful to you. That just doesn't work. Th that ultimately is wasted time where could the focus and the energy could be going to something more profitable for you. So my suggestion is, is keep an open mind about those opportunities. Um, trust your gut. But, you know, there's something to be said about listening to your gut so much where it keeps you from action. Right? Am I wrong about that? See what I'm saying? It's like, so, so sometimes you don't know how that relationship is going to evolve. But the fact that you're putting yourself out there and creating those opportunities, uh, that's only going to create more opportunities for sure. I hope that that was helpful. Yes, hi. What do you 
what's your focus for this like next month upcoming? You said you're really busy. I'm just kind of curious, like this next month, what's your focus? So, not only are the films we're casting, but I'm doing the EPAs for uh, in the equity principal auditions. Uh, I've been kind of the designated EPA person in our office. Um, my record is 225 actors in one day. And I'm here to tell the tale. I happen to like them. I do. I happen to really enjoy it. I happen to. I love meeting the the, the actors. I, I love seeing the work. I love being able to make quick decisions and, and respond to that work. So with the looming strike, these feature films are um, really wanting to get into production as quickly as possible. And so literally the submissions for seven feature films are coming in right now. And the office staff is going through those submissions. We're also doing some live auditions. We just finished Barrington Stage Company season, a Contemporary American Theater Festival. The Guthrie is still going strong. They've just finished their production of Hamlet. Um, so it's theater and movies and all this stuff going on. So that's the kind of the, the cool thing, I think, is that no two days are ever alike. But it's in constant motion. But I have to be honest with you and tell you that there have been times when the phone is rung and I'm having a conversation and it takes me like a good 30 seconds to remember who this is and what for what project, you know what I mean? And I'm thinking, oh my God, it's just me getting old. You know, and I have to say, no, no, it's the volume, sheer volume of stuff that's coming in. Uh, but it's exciting, but it's, you know, it's also like um, you have to harvest when the sun is shining and it's really shining right now. Yeah. Yes, hi. Hi, I'm, you may not be able to ask this question, but I'm just, I am sad, it's one of my first <coughs> real possible strike. And I guess my question is, if you've already cast movies or so forth, or you're casting these movies now, and you already have cast people, and the strike hits, can you still continue to film? So that's, that's up for debate according to the union. The union will make that decision. If there are pro, uh, productions in progress, if, if, if it's shooting, um, there may be waivers given to those actors who've made commitments to those projects that have already started. That started before. That's right. That's right. So, well, it, yeah, it, it's going to be, but that's a, a union decision, and our office, of course, supports whatever the union decision is. And so, um, you know, we're all hoping, but, uh, you know, my sense of it and, and talking um, with Pat, and th I just think that there's probably going to be a strike. Let's just hope that it is um, under a limited situation. And if we, and if you know that, if you get a sense of that yourself, then the question becomes, what can I do while the strike is going on? Well, I just gave you a list, yeah. right? You know what I'm saying? It's like, have the contingency plan in place so that you do not waste any energy. Use that creative side of who you are in everything that you do, and you're going to find that when the strike ends, you are going to be more ready than ever. That's the plan that I'm talking about. Listen, I've had a really excellent time with you all today, and I can't thank you enough. It's beyond my wildest dreams to have anybody show up to this. And there all of you are. It's been so fantastic. And so we'll see you next time. Thank you very much.
Thank you for joining Casting Actors Cast. Please don't forget to review, like, and share Casting Actors Cast wherever you get your patios, podcast videos. Thanks. I'm Megan Grace Martinez. 